1: I'm Katrina Smart, and you're listening to Conversations with Coco and Friends, covering everything from life and relationships to being your own boss, co-hosted by Cleo Ellis and Pilar Adams, meaning we have you covered from millennial to motherhood. We got you. Good morning. Today on Conversations with Coco, we're talking about that freelance consultant life.
0: Now, can we just take a moment before we introduce our special VIP guest? The Deborah Belcourt, a marketing and communications professional with 25 plus years of experience. Deb has worked for some of the best agencies in the country.
2: Oh, party foul. Party foul. (laughs) And it's
0: off here, but it's on here. Who is Thomas McGrath? I'm curious. Do you have a boyfriend? (laughs) Well, he's from Asia. (laughs) A marketing and communications professional with 25 plus years of experience, Deb has worked for some of the best agencies in the country, including our very own. A respected leader who specializes in communication strategy, internal, external, and crisis. Media partnerships from planning to negotiation and execution, event marketing, digital strategy, content development, and change management. She does it all, ladies and gents. Intimidated? Kind of.
1: <laughs> We've had the amazing pleasure of working with Deb for six months now, and she seriously lives up to her bio over and above. I, can, I can't say that about many people, but I can say that about Deb.
2: Mm. <laughs> so Deb is a consultant. She's the founder of Belcourt and Associates or Belcourt Ass on Instagram, <laughs> uh, consulting agency. She's now considered a freelancer. But what we want to know, um, more like what we want you to know, is how Deb made the switch from corporate to being her own boss.
3: So true story is I actually started my career as a freelancer. Really? So my very first job was an internship in an agency in 1991, mm-hmm. 90 when I was in my second year university, I never wanted to go, I wanted to quit school because I loved it so much. And it was doing what I do now. It was like, I just said to my dad, I'm done. And he said, the hell you are, go back to school. (laughs) And I finished and I started as an account executive right away. And I had a phenomenal boss, Greg at the time, who, when I got a little antsy after a year working, he said, well, why don't you freelance? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, you can work for various agencies in various roles as a freelancer. And I'm like, and he introduced me to his biggest competition, who hired me on contract. And that was when I was 22. So that's 28 years ago. I started as a freelancer. And so I freelanced for the first seven years of my career, always being on contract as a freelancer. So that's actually how I started. So it's not new to me. Right. But so then what made you go back to corporate then? (laughs) So interestingly, when I was, uh, when I was about 28, the internet was born and I was recruited by a company out of New York to move to New York. And that was the first time I went back to full-time agency digital. And then after that, I just kind of blended into a bunch of senior agency roles because the world was just so interesting. The internet was new, digital was new, and then I moved into entertainment and politics. And then everything was just very organic. It just was a result of I had one position, then I had another great position. And frankly, I stayed in corporate because I had great jobs. Right. And I had great mentors, and I had good, interesting experiences. And it was only after my last full-time corporate job where I ran a big agency for five years the thing that empowered me to say, you know what? I want to go back to being freelance was that I had done it before. Okay. Mm. Get it. Yeah. And back so, the yeah. So the leap wasn't as terrifying for me because I'm like, I, I have hustle. I can remember how to do this. And my motivator for me is I have a six year old son. Right. And I was tired of not spending time with him in the morning and walking his little sweaty hand to school every day. Like I <laughs> wanted to do that. And my life was, and I was okay with it, but my life was, I would wake up in the morning, I would have half an hour with him. I would high five our full-time nanny and leave every day at 7.30, come home at 6.30. And that was fine when he couldn't talk. But when he became older, it became very important to me that that was going to be a part of my life. So that was another motivator for me to make the jump, for sure.
0: So building off what you said, Deb, about motivation I feel like a lot of people think they have the motivation to, to go freelance until they actually get there and that becomes their full-time job and their life. So how do you face those challenges of staying on track when you
3: are your own boss? Uh, the number one piece of advice is you need to be financially literate. You need to understand how to manage money. The biggest mistake that I made as a freelancer when I was in my 20s was not that. And there was more than one panicked phone call to Daddy Dearest saying (laughs) I screwed up. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, what's this American Express? Oh, you know, no. So I think there's a couple of things is that I think there's a real difference between between being a freelancer and being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in starting my own company. I do not want to start my own agency. I do not want to start my own business. I want to be me. And you need to understand it's a very kind of solo life. Mm -hmm. You're always part of other people's teams, which is great. But the biggest thing is financial literacy. You have to learn how to manage your money. You have to have the discipline of billing, taxes, all that kind of stuff. So even though you're not managing a big business, you have to be disciplined in the money department. And the the other motivator is you need to hustle. And freelance is a hustle. And you need to set, like any other business, this is how much money I need to make this year. This is what I'm going to do to get there. And then you need to hustle. And I fundamentally believe that hustle is not something you can teach. So when I work with a lot of young people and have w- worked with a lot of young people, and I'm proud there's this little kind of Deb army out there of young <laughs> men <laughs> and women doing these amazing <laughs> things. But every single one of one of the people that I've worked with, just like the great mentors I've had, is I can identify hustle in a heartbeat hashtag that <laughs> <laughs> hashtag hustle. um but you need the hustle and mm. it needs you just you need to move you need to just move and you need to identify and you need to be an opportunist all the time yeah. and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that they're not comfortable with saying like i want that opportunity or Putting can i help hand. you with that and raising your hand and asking for it and i think that that's that's kind of the biggest thing that sets you apart from somebody who's more comfortable in the full-time cubicle
2: Right. That's such an interesting point, too, because everybody hears the word opportunist and they think negative. And I hate that because I think you can be authentic and be super genuine and still be an opportunist and be able to spot those things and take advantage of them for the, your own benefit, your client's benefit, whoever's. But I think people need to like switch their thinking about the perspective of what it means to be an opportunist and take out that negative piece.
3: And I mean, a real, an opportunist, I agree with you hundred percent, Cleo. It's not a bad word to be an opportunist because opportunity is a beautiful word. Yes. That's what you're mm-hmm. looking for, right? There's a difference between an opportunist and somebody who really want, really wants to listen to somebody and how they can help them. And a narcissist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <who Big difference. laughs> The only thing that they can talk about is what it's going to do for them. Yes. My position is what can I do with, with you, for you together, as opposed to what are you going to do for me? Right. That's the switch. And that's the person that you can identify, you know, Maya Angelou said it the best, right? The minute somebody shows you who they are, Mm -hmm. believe them, believe them. And the the minute that somebody tells you who they are, run in the (laughs) other direction. Right. Right. So I think there's a real I think that work gets a bad rap. I really do. I totally agree. And thanks for making the distinction between being an
2: entrepreneur and being a freelancer, because I think that has that's essential. Everybody listen to Deb. (laughs) Um, So we can't focus on the bad without highlighting all the goodness that comes with working from home. PJs all day. Yes, all of us here are in our leggings right now and our our comfy, cozy sweaters because it's cold, creating your own schedule and all
3: that good stuff. So I think the real question is, how do you stay on top of your to do list while staying in your PJs? I carve out a very specific format to my week. First of all, I love like the work I'm doing with Halo and Co with Coco and Hala and you guys. Um... I love my, I'm living my ideal situation right now. I have three days a week, Mm -hmm. four, three or four days a week where I'm in an office with an amazing group of people doing what I know how to do. That's awesome. And that's in my career since I've been been doing this almost two years now, I've set it up like that. But then I have two days a week, ideally a Monday and a Friday, where I am in my Lululemons. Mm -hmm. I get to go to a workout in the morning. Mm -hmm. I get to pick my son up from school, but the way that I stay on it is I have my calendar because I'm super A-type and I'm very, very organized, um, but I have my calendar tasks every single day in my calendar. So I plan my week out pretty religiously every week of what I have to get done, whether and if I have to write, I have two hours in my calendar today, for example, four to six is writing time. Right. So it's I'm organized to fall. Schedule, uh, schedule it in, and also schedule in the workout. Schedule right. in mm-hmm. the self care. Just schedule so in a sexy overnight sleepover with your husband and no six year old. Like schedule <laughs> it. Put it in your calendar and be organized. And and that's just how you do it. And you have to be disciplined. If self discipline and self regulation is not traits that you have as a human, freelance is not so right. not the life for you. Not yeah. For you. No,
0: we, we were saying that we're like, who should not be a freelancer? <laughs> and it's having those two qualities. But
3: what is it beyond that? I think that somebody who doesn't have the, the ability to be happy alone. You know, I love Mondays and Fridays. Like I'm alone and I love to be alone and I'm not afraid to be alone. And I'm super comfortable in my own skin. Finally, I mean, it wasn't always the case. But I think that if you don't like solitude and if you also don't like hearing the word no. (laughs) That's a big one. It's not for you. Mm -hmm. No, it's not for you because you're not always going to get the work. You're not always going to get the job. Um, It's not always going to work out in your favor. So I think that you need to have a pretty thick skin. You need to be comfortable being alone. You need to understand how to manage your money. And then I know a little bit later on in the conversation, I mean, I I know we all wanna talk about the importance of a network.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Cause
3: that's what you have, that's your blood, that's your money, is your network.
1: I think while we are constantly scrolling on Instagram, you and with social media, you're constantly being fed this idea that you have to be an entrepreneur or you have to be a freelancer. And I think listening to what Deb just said is key. Um, Not everybody's built for it. And that's okay. <laughs> like, you don't have to be um, a one woman show. You don't have to be a leader of a multi million dollar business. You can be part of something. Um, and that's just my PSA to not feel bad if you're working at nine to five. Um, now, Deb, mm. what I in the world, of course, want to know, how do you go about getting clients of your own?
3: So, I mean, your network is, is you need to nurture your network. And Isn't there like that saying, your network is
1: your net worth?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong. It's a, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. No lies <laughs> told. That's, that's actually the truth. And and networking and building a network and honoring that network and nurturing that network is a lifelong job. Mm-hmm. Like you need to fundamentally just be a good person and treat people well and do all the things that just make you a good human. But I've been building my network since my first internship. And you have to nurture those relationships and the ones that can bear fruit for you as a freelancer, uh, identify those pretty quickly, work on them, be reciprocal, respect them, all the good things that you do for a network, but also really identify the ones that are not reciprocal. Right. And that are time suckers and toxic people and time wasters. Like, when, so ever since I went freelance, I have a lot of people, and you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> the shape. Pew, 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 pew. No, that are a lot of... Can I pick your brain? Can oh, I take oh, you out for lunch?
1: My Can God! Can I have emails? Can I pick your brain? My brain is expensive.
3: I like remove that from your vocabulary. Draw some <laughs> <mic>. <laughs> it, 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 it is. Can I pick your brain? And I recently responded to somebody and said that they, they said I'll take you out to you know how everyone here knows how much I enjoy a good chicken salad at the Four Seasons, right? <laughs> it's kind of an extra avocado and a Diet Coke. It's my thing. It's a dream. It's, it's a dream. who you are. Come true. And they're like, I know your favorite thing, Mm-mm. so I'll take you to... Th-. And I'm like, nope. And I actually responded to Susan <laughs> and said, my brain costs $500 an hour. Yes, girl. You I love that. Get your paper. I love that. But But also, trust your gut. Right. If you think that Susan... I'm not going to say a real name, but it's Susan, <laughs> um, can potentially net you out right. something down the road. That's when you nurture your network. Yeah. Then you're like, take that lunch, take that meeting. And that's the other great piece of advice I got from a woman that I worked for for five years. Um, always, always take the meeting if your gut is telling you the meeting's going to work. Yeah. But there's a lot of people out there that are looking for you to do free work. And y- you can't. But with regards to a network, one of the biggest questions that I think that I get, and I do a lot of corporate training on mm-hmm. sales, is how do you build a network? Okay. Better question. Okay. Yeah. How do you build the network? Your network is everywhere. It's your kids' school, it's philanthropy. Yep. Get involved in charity. Mm-hmm. It's huge, huge, huge. It's also nurturing your relationships with multi-generational contacts. Like my whole work with Halo, because I've got a good 12, 15 years, 20 plus in some cases, is I learned so much from multi-generational network. Right. Younger people, older people, and just really, really look to identify where you can grow your world and your circle, because that's ultimately going to grow your business. And also talk about what you do and have your story, right? So what do you do for a living? I'm a communication strategy consultant. What does that mean? My work falls into two areas. I do management consulting on agencies and team building and growth. I also do brand position and brand consulting. That's it. That's
2: amazing. That's a really great one i think to distill that down that's like know your elevator pitch and i think all of us in this room maybe except for deb are guilty of like not shamelessly talking about that okay. stuff quite enough and something all of us are trying to get better at because i feel like there's a lot of people who often will say like oh i didn't know you do that or i didn't know whatever whatever and i'm like how do you not know that but you kind of assume everybody who knows you knows and that's that assumption is wrong
3: and that's okay i mean i work with corporations that are you know fortune 500 companies um, that the CEO of that organization, if I'm doing a media training with him, always him, <laughs> um, Unfortunately. he doesn't even know that. Right. So I'm like, tell me about X, Y, Z. And they're like, well, X, Y, Z is the bloody, bloody, blood, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? So it's okay. But that getting that discipline down early on what your pitches and what you do for a living and what you're interested in and what you're passionate about, you nail that when you're in your early twenties, like you. I'm pointing at Pilar. (laughs) Um, then you're golden. Then you're going to have that pitch as you move kind of forward through your life. Hallelujah.
2: Um, I have another question for you, Deb. Um, how do you manage stress?
3: How do I manage stress? Um, I manage stress better now than I did when I was a little bit younger. I mean, I was a smoker for 25 years. I was not fit. I grew up and came up in the industry at a time when health and wellness were not a priority at all. Um, I wasn't mainlining anything, but (laughs) (laughs) I definitely (laughs) didn't eat a lot of food and I smoked a lot of cigarettes and I drank a lot of coffee and there was a lot of wine on the weekends and that's, and you worked a lot. Like my hours were, it's not like it is now. It's different now because the expectation on your work ethic was pretty intense. Like you were at your desk at seven 30 in the morning and you were there until your boss went home. And there was no questions at Like you didn't, there was never like, Hey Bev, you know, I got to go to spin class. Can <laughs> you leave a five? Fa- no. <laughs> <laughs> sit down. After <laughs> any dramas, internship video. <laughs> yeah. Sit down. And that, and that we didn't, I didn't really think about it as stress. That's my job. That's just what I do. Mm-hmm. And then when things got stressful, you just worked really late. <laughs> Now it's it's flipped a little bit because health and self-care and the generation today with millennial workforce demands it, which I think is kind of awesome, to be honest. So how do I manage my stress now? Um, I have a bedtime alarm and I have a wake-up alarm. And my morning routine, when I wake up in the morning, my wake-up alarm is 545 every day. I get up, I turn on the coffee maker, the espresso machine, I put on the fireplace if it's the winter... I get everything set up and then I sit down, I open head space and I meditate for 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes every single morning, just because when I wake up, my head can go to busy. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of set the tone. Um, I've also replaced a pack of cigarettes a day with five, six hours of workouts a week. And I think this can only come with, I'm 50 years old. I just turned 50, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got 30 years of experience and I know everything's going to be okay. Right. Like I always remind myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know what? Jeez, that's a beautiful thing. Hearing you like, say
0: that like brings me peace yeah. and tranquility yeah. naturally.
1: It turns back on my headspace <laughs> app. <laughs> no, yeah. it's true. You're so right when you say that.
3: It's going to be fine. In the moment it may not feel like it's going to be fine, but I can ground myself on on it's not, and I know people always say, you know, we're not curing cancer. I, I hate when people say that. It's like, I, obviously, I'm not curing cancer. Obviously, we're not curing cancer. Obviously, we're running a multimillion-dollar event in London, if you're you guys. It doesn't matter. But for you, it is important. <laughs> yeah. So people are like, well, you're not, it's PR, not ER. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it is real. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's also going to be fine. Yeah. And if it's not fine. You're going to learn from the not fine. You're going to bring that into your next experience. And then that's just called growing. Right. And it'll be fine.
2: I'm going to keep this clip and play it the next time we're all crying at an event because,
3: <laughs> because we're tired and
2: can't do anything.
3: <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to happen. I've watched you shine your headlights on a setup in the middle of a, of a cannabis field <laughs> until 10 o'clock at night in the pouring rain. And you were just fine. <laughs> we do what we got to do.
0: Now, so we've covered managing stress, Deb, but how about managing people? Because I know that's a big part of your previous experience and your current job now.
3: Well, I mean, I could throw the question back to Coco because she had a really interesting take on your perception of how I manage people.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: So how how do you think I manage people? I'm curious because I can talk about managing people.
1: I think one of the reasons why I love Deb so much, um, is because what she could do is be, I have all this experience. I'm so smart. I know so much more than you just do it. But what she, her approach to management is all about, um, teaching so that the people leave with the lesson rather than just say, this is how you do it. She shows them how to do it. So it's more of a, like, um, not a top-down approach more of like a, we're all in this together approach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that about her because it can be for a 21 year old um, coming into a new PR firm or events company, it can be really scary. And then as a result of the fear, uh, these like this bad behavior (laughs) starts coming up. But if you show people like, no, we're in this together. We can work on this together. Let me show you how I might do it, but then you go off and do it and bring it back to me when it's done. Um, this is how, like giving the steps on how to do something, but not doing it for them, but showing them how to do it. Um, it allows them to kind of make the mistakes that they're going to make, but also, you know, that there's someone there that's going to hold your hand through it.
3: Yeah. You're not alone.
1: You're not alone. And Deb, Deb has been really, um, instrumental because one of the things that we have as business owners or learning is learning how to manage people better, right? Like you go into a, a company and like you open a company, you just think, yeah, it's going to be amazing. We're going to hire some people. We're just going to continue do, doing what we're doing on a micro level, at a macro level. <laughs> like Then people come and you're like, oh,
3: <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not how it Wait, works. <laughs> I thought you could do everything that we could do exactly the same pace and exactly the same way, but that's not the case. So we've learned um, some really great lessons from Devin. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Not yell at people, but um,
2: sometimes you have to handhold.
1: Yeah, and that's okay.
3: Yeah, it's okay. And I think that what it comes down to, first of all, thank you for the compliment. But it's true. I wasn't fishing. Yeah. But it's no, it, you, it's you, true. We Coco mentioned this last week, and it's it's the only reason why my. My approach to management, there's two things there. It all comes down to mentorship. I mean, I've had great leaders. Mm-hmm. I've had great mentors. I've also had some really horrible bosses. Very, very few. I've been super, super lucky that way, but that's also by my design. Right. Because you go to work for somebody. You go to work mm-hmm. with somebody. So it's about mentorship. So again, remembering is that you need to be mentoring. You need to mentor. Um, but the technical term, when somebody is in your employ, the definition of that is they're in your care. Damn. You're not their mom. You're not their psychologist. You're not their girlfriend. Yeah. That, that's not what your job is. But you are, they're in your care. So you have to take care of them. And that means teaching them right. to do what it is that they're there to do. Is it always going to work out? No way. No way. <laughs> no way. It's not going to work out. Some people don't <laughs> want to be taught. Some people know everything already. Some people are resistant to change. Some people aren't right for the role. There's nothing that you can do to manage your way out of that situation. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. But you have to take care of people. Yeah. And you cannot treat people poorly because if you treat people poorly, then they're going to quit and nobody's going to want to work for you. Yeah. It's like it's, yeah. it's not a difficult thing to understand. Right. Um but Yeah, you you have to remember that, and you're in a service industry, so with clients in particular, Mm -hmm. managing, there's managing people, there's managing up, which is a skill unto itself when you have to manage your boss, Mm -hmm. which is a critical thing to know how to do. Um, But in a service industry, you need to manage clients, and clients can be notoriously, Either your partner, and it's beautiful, or they can be difficult. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, it's difficult because they see you as somebody who's servicing the business. Yes. And in this business, freelance or not freelance, you need to have a very thick skin to take it and understand how to push back when you need to push back and not. So you know, so managing people, you're managing your clients, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's a very can can be a very delicate dance, too. So. It's not always coming home every night going, wow, that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Home run. Where's the wine? exactly. (laughs) How come I don't smoke anymore? (laughs) Exactly. I have one more thing I have to say because I wrote it in my notes. I'm so sorry, Cleo. Hit me with it. (laughs) Okay. As a freelancer, the golden rule, ask to get paid. You are at the bottom of the pile priority wise for people to pay you, ask to get paid. Right. When you owed your money, you demand your money. And if somebody is late in paying you, you speak up about it. This is the lesson. This is the golden rule in freelance. You deserve to get paid just as much as the giant vendor deserves to get paid. Ask for your money because a lot of people don't. And a lot of people will get mansplained into, I have no other vendor that asks as much as you, Deb. Well, you know what, Jonathan, I don't (laughs) care. I want my money. It's Christmas. This happened to me last year. So I'm going to leave on that. note. No, like literally not. I have more. Put it's, it on a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah do you have, yeah, more? have more? Get paid. <laughs> if it,
1: if, so technically, um, when you're a freelancer, do you have terms?
3: I have a letter of agreement what? for every single client engagement yeah. um, and I make them sign it. Okay. And then
1: do you do. Do you get paid monthly, or, or do you, or do you get like? I guess it's different for every yeah. client. But I put a
3: payment schedule in my schedule. letter of agreement.
1: Okay, and then um, when someone hasn't paid you, mm-hmm. how do you escalate? Is it just like an email, a phone call? I just want to be very technical because there's people starting mm-hmm. out as freelancers and they're getting screwed for sure.
3: Have a letter of agreement mm-hmm. signed with a payment schedule in it. Okay, number one, right. just like that's just it. So, like, hey, this is going to be awesome. No. Old school, sign it, print it, scan it, keep your records, keep your files, file your receipts, do all that stuff, be methodical. Um, that's a bi- legally binding document. Right. It's invoice on time, follow up on your invoices. Um, and, and, you know, the other two is ask how you want to be paid. I prefer to be paid digitally. It just makes it a lot easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. But just be very clear about it. Follow up, be polite. But when someone's late, you pick up the phone. Okay. Yeah, you have to. And I think a lot of people are afraid. And, and again, the woman that I worked for for five years, um, uh, Bonnie, taught me that. And we were not a small business. And she said the number one rule in this agency for me is that she is constantly chasing the money. Wow, You have to. Yeah,
2: I have one more follow up on that. Sure. What do you do in a situation where like, they outright just haven't paid you? Because the question is, do you stop working? Um, sometimes people are in positions where they don't necessarily know like what do I do now it's been two months I've asked repeatedly they still
3: haven't paid me so do, do you cease working like what steps do you take or would you say I would do that on a case-by-case basis depending on how your relationship is with a client um, what's coming down the pipe with them work-wise um, and your own personal stance you want to take I mean if a client hasn't paid you for two months and you're like, yeah, but I know I'm going to get more work from them next year. And this is unusual for them. I I would take that case by case. Um, But stop work is a bit of a last resort. Mm -hmm. But you can absolutely go there if you think you need to. So like, I'm I'm not delivering what I promised you because you haven't paid me. Like, if I have something outstanding with the client, I haven't had to go there ever. But then again, I'm six foot one. And Terrifying.
1: <laughs> no, you're gorgeous.
3: No, she's not Stop. FYI, guys. She's the babe.
1: Okay, well, thank you so much, Dev. And thank you so much to everybody for listening to number, another conversation with me and Pilar and Cleo. Conversation with Coco. Uh,
3: you can follow Dev at It's Belcourt Associates like 317 followers mm. Gonna go she's up. going
0: strong okay after this episode we're hitting 500 and you know where to find us for more content at coco and co c-o-w-e on ig and twitter deuces
2: flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too.